Hello, and welcome to Scientifically Speaking. Uh, that was a cantaloupe. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, we are here today. It's me. Oh, we're going to talk about cantaloupes. No, uh, we're Scientifically Speaking, and I'm Dave, and this is Shane, and that's Zach. <laughs> Zach just tried to do the introduction out. thing, and Dave just missed it completely. Went <laughs> straight over his head. He just sort of took too long. Anyway, so oh, what well, are we going to talk about happens. today, boys? We're going to talk about the internet. The internet. Hopefully I kind of wanted to record like a cool voice saying the internet. The like, internet. Yeah, like that, but like cooler, you right, know? because my voice is stupid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. Zach has a stupid voice. I guess first thing, speaking of stupid voices, first things first, me and Shane should both apologize because we're both sick, so you're going to hear us be super nasally. I actually have one of those nice little like mouth guard things on, the like, you know, mouth covered <laughs> things that nurses wear so they don't get sick, so that I don't get the next poor person to use this microphone seriously ill. I think Shane's just afraid of catching an internet virus. Ha ha ha. That was so stupid. That was <laughs> such a bad joke. I just thought of it. But but seriously though, can you can you get herpes from the internet? No. Maybe. Like, indirectly. Because like you I can was do told things on the internet that, that would lead to you getting herpes. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> Alright, so I guess we're gonna need a little bit of a <laughs> understanding of how the internet works before we can understand how you get internet herpes. Internet herpes, nice. So, uh, the best place to start is always at the beginning. Well, not always, but usually. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> what a useless sentence. The best place to start is always the beginning, except for when it is not. <laughs> Isn't that that's? Yeah, whatever. So, <laughs> the history of the internet, like, how the heck did this thing even happen? Because you know, it's been around for you know a decade or two, not two, not even that long. So, like, well, how did this come into being? Yeah, uh, not the internet as we know it. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, good point. Continue. The global internet. It's been it's been a few decades, but yeah, go for it. No, you go for it. No, okay, so I'm going to go for it. So basically, there was this guy with this great name. There's this researcher at MIT named Lick Lighter, <laughs> which just like couldn't be a better last name. So anyway, uh, so he uh, so he's this researcher and he's doing he's doing research into something called virtual networking, which is basically the idea of like which, like, when you hear networking now, you pretty much exclusively think about computers. But prior to that, networking just meant things interacting with each other. Totally disagree. Whatever. I think, I think uh, Peanut Bio. Gallery over here has... Uh, no, no, no. It's both of us. We okay. both disagree with that sentence. When really? you think of networking, we think of, like, oh, I'm going to go meet people. Okay. Well, when I think of networking as a computer science major, I think about computers. Well, yeah. You're not... You're, you're special. <laughs> anyway, this was an idea that had nothing to do with computers at the time. Um, so he was specifically talking about virtual networking, meaning like how one computer could conceivably talk to another computer. You have to realize at this time, like computers sucked. Like this is the '60s. Like computers could do like pretty much nothing. So if you want to do anything remotely powerful with your computer, you had to like use more than one at a time, right? What what could a computer do in the '60s? Like adding? You know, like it could do like really basic word processing. And definitely mathematical functions, because those are required for, like, every part of computing. But it certainly couldn't, like, run Photoshop. In <laughs> fact, you probably couldn't even open an image. Weird. In fact, they may not have even had screens. You know, this goes back to those people who it. are like, oh, I was born in the wrong generation, man. No, no, you weren't. <laughs> like, it would have sucked. <laughs> like, it would have not been fun. Like, well, yeah. shit, I guess I can't go stalk this person on facebook because none of <laughs> these things exist thing. so um to go stalk her in real life <laughs> okay let's not let's not encourage that um so 
Uh, anyway, so you got these really, really crappy computers compared to today's standards. Um, and it's not like everyone has a computer and you can just, like, hook them all up together. This is like, oh, I've got a computer. The next closest one's about 50 miles away. What are we going to do? <laughs> right? So we have this idea of, like, all right, so like we need some way to connect these computers that are pretty much nowhere near each other and somehow utilize their combined power. Um, and various By your powers things. combined. <laughs> no, the alliance will come in later. Um, so Wait, what? That's an actual... No, no. The alliance? You'll what? see. We'll, we'll um, see. So, there, so, anyway, so he brings this idea up to, to uh, DARPA, which was at that point called ARPA. This is the... Zach, you know the acronym. Yeah. Advanced Research... Oh, crap. <laughs> something about... Projects. Advanced. Something... Anyway, they did advanced Why did they research add the stuff. Uh, it became Defense yeah. Advanced Research. It was the Advanced Research Project Agency. That was there you go. For. And now and it is the Defense Advanced Project which Agency. arguably, DARPA, far cooler than ARPA, I think. ARPA As makes an me think acronym. of, like, old people. Like, DARPA is cool No, that's sounding. AARP. That's a different thing. No wonder. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that. that's it. You found it. Why. That was hilarious. <laughs> um, anyway, so... Um, so his predecessor at DARPA, because they all, he, well, Zach, do you want to talk about that, why everyone thought he was kind of a loon? Yeah, so when this guy first proposed this idea, he didn't call it, like, you know, a virtual network or some kind of Or, like, thing. the internet. He, he called it the intergalactic computer network. Intergalactic, as if it would actually cover galaxies. This is still Licklider we're talking about, right? <laughs> yeah, this is the Okay, Licklider. so guy with a weird name makes things with weird names. Yeah. Got it. So, and even worse, when he, like, told people about this, he addressed a memorandum in his office <laughs> to, like, the other, his colleagues, right? And he, he addresses it to members and affiliates of the Intergalactic Computer Network. So like, <laughs> who does that? <laughs> Licklider, apparently. Yeah, so, like, you know, so, like, we're making him out to seem sort of like a dork. Although, granted, he's probably the smartest dork in the world at this point. This yeah. guy, like, single-handedly came up with, like, it's not like he thought of this idea of, like, oh, we could have an internet. It's like he wrote down all the proposals and, like, very thoroughly explained all of the math and computation that would be necessary to literally have, like, an internet. He figured it all out before it existed at all with no testing. It was just like, I got this idea. We should do this. He also basically initially initiated the creation of computer science departments at major universities. So, like, yeah. you know. Someone needs to study this new thing that's about to happen. Right. And so, so he's, he's cool. He's a cool guy. He's, just got, he's got some weird ideas, but that's fine. So anyway, so his predecessor, um, Lawrence G. Roberts, who's also at ARPA, um, he developed something called ARPANET. Wait, was Roberts the predecessor or the successor? Predecessor. He Did came, I say successor? No, you said predecessor. Oh, but oh, I meant successor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he so came after. Him. Roberts came after. Roberts came later. That would make no sense lighter. if it happened in the other direction. <laughs> What if so, just pronouncing it like way wrong? What if it's like like litter or a lick litter? It would still oh, God, be that's weird. So much worse. It would be weird no matter how you pronounce it. I'm surprised you actually made that name worse. <laughs> that's impressive. I think it's one of my skills. So okay, so Roberts is working at ARPA, and he develops this thing called the ARPANET, which is the first network to run on what we now consider the internet. Um, it's pretty cool. Uh, this guy won. The Draper Prize. I don't know what that is. Me neither. Wrote it down. But basically, okay. the important thing is that he, he won some prizes for the development of the internet. Right. Like, this guy made the internet. This guy, this wasn't Al Gore, it was this yeah. guy. Now, just to clarify, like when we talk about the internet nowadays, we're talking about literally billions of computers all connected together. <laughs> At this point in time, the ARPANET had four 
<laughs> there were four computers connected to each other. This was like the biggest deal ever. And now if we saw it, it'd be like, oh, are they like playing a video game together? Like there were four computers. The fact that like at this point, we can't conceive of computers not being able to connect to other computers. Like that's just why would you even have a computer? Right. But that wasn't the case then. It was exactly. like we have this computer for some specific purpose and we have other computers for other specific purposes. Mm-hmm. And we have these giant things that we have in different places for different things. I have to literally like stand up and go somewhere else if I want to do one calculation instead of another. <laughs> like I have to travel maybe a few miles. So, so anyway, um, so this is this is in 1969. By like by a little way into the 70s, pretty much every government agency, including like NASA, a lot of military agencies, and ARPA, have their own little computer networks, which are still not very large. And they're connected to each other? No, they're not connected to each other. So they're running on this concept of the internet, which is like this connection, but these networks for each government agency are, are completely incompatible with each other because they were only set up so that the computers could talk to those other computers in that department. So, like, NASA computers could not communicate with ARPA computers. But they could communicate with other but NASA they computers. they could communicate with other NASA computers. Weird. Okay, so we got to the moon before we had computers. <laughs> Isn't well, that freaking amazing? We had computers. We had computers we before have... we had the World Wide Web. Yeah. Yeah. Still it's, impressive. It's really, it's sort of yes. inc- truly incredible considering the amount of communication that needed to happen to send people to the moon. It's pretty magical. It's pretty insane. Science. Um, Space. Yeah, and I mentioned this before, but so Space. every, all of these networks were built for very specific purposes, and as a result, they weren't compatible with each other. So, like, you know, like I said, like NASA computers couldn't talk to ARPA computers. Um, so, this is kind of neat, but like, consumers can't use it at all. Like the no one, there's there's no one, there's no like average civilian in the world who has any idea how to connect a computer to the internet. Like it's not a thing. And then this guy, this wonderful guy, named Tim Berners Lee. Tim Berners Lee. Tim Berners Lee shows up and he goes, "All right, listen, I'm pretty sure we could like commercialize this. In fact, we could make it public and just connect literally everyone to it." And everyone's like, "What are you talking about?" And he comes up with this thing called the World Wide Web, which, like, sounds... I think really, I've heard of that before. Yeah, right? Elaborate? It sounds really goofy now to call it that. Like, you, that's something that only people from, like, that you know, from, like, who, like, first got computers in, like, the 80s and 90s call it, like, the World Wide Web, because now it's just, like, the internet. Turns out, actually, that's an inaccurate thing to refer to it as, or at least, like, incompletely accurate. The World Wide Web is what you're connecting to. The World Wide Web just runs on the internet. <laughs> Honestly, this sounds like you're just like making shit up. Yeah, the World Wide Web runs on the internet. Yeah, what? It's crazy. So, okay, so the internet, right, is is like somewhat of an abbreviation in that it's like, uh, so the net part obviously refers to networks. Internet is connected. Intergalactic, please. No. no. Oh. <laughs> the, the intergalactic network. No. Um. So the internet is the connections between those networks. So it's what allows. A bunch of people connected to their one router and that router connected to Comcast in America to share information with people literally anywhere else in the world. That is the Internet. The World Wide Web is just one like functioning network that rests atop the Internet. So it uses the infrastructure of the Internet 
to allow people to share things like websites, pretty much exclusively websites, and then also recently downloadable files. So the idea at this point is like literally like people just have websites. Also, it's really funny because this is like the age of the personal website. So like <laughs> domain names, like no one owned any domain names, right? Like a domain name is like when you go to like www.google.com, google.com is the domain name, right? And so, no, I mean, yeah, we'll have more questions about that. But so, um, so uh, at this point, like none of those exist. There's, they're all free. So anyone can just register whatever domain name they want. So people just make like DaveFrankTheThird.com, and I wouldn't make that. Yeah. That's not the website I would make. <laughs> and anyone and like you know in theory anyone can go to your website and see like the picture of you that you uploaded and like your bio and like things about your cat and whatever you want to put on your website. How do you know my website covers my cat? <laughs> Let's be real. Your website would cover your cat. And like everything was gray and blocky and like oh, real yeah. gross looking, <laughs> yeah. just like ugh. No one knew how to do anything. Well, also computers couldn't do anything impressive at this point. So like you couldn't really make things look very nice because it required way too much computing <laughs> to make like round edges. That was asking far too much of your computer. Um, Speaking of uh, early websites, yeah. um, I believe that one of my professors... Uh, used to have a website on which he kept the periodic table, right? And would have information about different parts of the periodic table. And this man being uh, an evil, evil genius, uh, mad scientist type fellow, uh, he would go and he would be like, are people really like trusting me with this information? Like they're not ch double checking this? Yeah, right. So we started changing things. On the periodic he table. Would just, he would just move elements around. Change so he just had like a false period. Change their atomic weights. Just some of them, not all of them. <laughs> just some of them, and people would he would like see that people were clicking on it. No one contacted him to say, right. "Hey, this is wrong." Oh my god! And to this day, he continues to like edit things on the internet to make them wrong. That's such a terrible <laughs> thing to do. Just to show people that you can't trust the internet. But you can only not trust the internet because of him. No, no. <laughs> there are other people like him too. So your professor was like the first internet troll, like the first guy to like really just fuck with people on the internet. Potentially. Oh my god, that's so screwed up. That's terrible. That's such a mean thing to do. Okay, well, you know, double check your facts, I suppose, is the story there. Um, I guess, I guess the thing to take away from that is, if you publish a book, at least you had to go through the process of getting it published and like have somebody else read it potentially, unless it was self-published. If you put things on a website, there's literally you could you could write whatever you want. Like there's no there's no secondary person between you and the website. And there are tons of those out there, just like amateur websites and like the history of Roman civilization. <laughs> and there's just the like best. yeah, this year this happens. Like and. It There's no reference. It always freaks me out when, like, Wikipedia cites those. Oh, yeah, it's bad. And it's like, what do you mean? This is your only source of information? Is like, this was probably, like, some 10th graders high school, like, project. Yeah, it's in, like, Comic Sans. And, always, like, just, always in yeah. Comic Sans. Or Papyrus. Hmm. No, of course, because Roman. That would, yeah, that's that. Yep. And this is why I don't donate when I see like his his face. I'm Wikipedia editor Jimmy Wales. That's Please, a terrible everyone donated. Reason. Everyone should donate to Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I always mean to donate, but then it Wikipedia starts shouting at me. It's like, hey, hey, donate five dollars. Donate. It's from hey, hey. And I'm like, okay, well, I was gonna, but now, no, no, I just can't. I gotta want to read this article. Leave me alone. Fine, fine. Whatever. So anyway. we've said a lot of like words. I said a lot of words, um, but we've but we have introduced the internet, 
That is that's where we're at right now. Okay. Hello, internet. We've, nice we, to meet you. Yeah. Yeah. That. You seem like a cool guy. Okay. So what's next on our list of coverage? How are we gonna? So how does the internet expand? How do how do regular people access things? Like yeah. how? So let's go through. Um, Okay, that's a good question. How do regular people access things? Well, so like, you go, you know, www.mittromneysleftkidney.uk, <laughs> and why does that take <laughs> you to the place that, that it does? <laughs> okay, so... Um, <laughs> well, no one in the U.S. cares about his left kidney. <laughs> okay, so um, that's a good question. So, um, we said before, um, we had the internet at some point prior to the World Wide Web, but no one could connect to it except for, like, special government agencies. How come now everyone can just connect to the internet and it's no problem. So there's actually a bunch of different ways to connect to the internet. You've probably heard of a lot of them. Um, so dial up was sort of the first idea. It was oh a, man, dial up. It was a Memories. Pretty, it was a pretty bad idea. It was like an interesting concept, but it should have been like an interesting science project. And then someone should have been like, <laughs> Hey, wait guys, guys, this is really stupid. We should figure out something better. And instead it lasted for far too long. So the idea with dial up, it's, it's pretty amusing. So basically the idea with dial up was, all right, we already have all of these wires that are connecting people's houses to phone companies. How about we use the same wires and just send computer data instead? It's all just information, right? So, like, we just have to somehow turn the computer data into sound and then send that sound along the wire, and we'll just do the same thing we do with phones. Okay, so here's the problem with that. First of all, the way you made phone calls at this point was you had to, like, connect with, like, a direct line from yourself to the phone company, right? This is, like, landlines we're talking about. But, like, further than that, the phone company then had to be like, oh, oh, oh. This person's trying to call this number. Where are they on this giant switchboard of wires? And they would plug in a wire, and there would be a single wire that connected you from your house all the way potentially across the country to this one other phone. So the problem now is, oh, so you want to connect to the internet? Well, what website are you trying to get? I'll find their server on this board, plug your wire into it, and you can make a phone call through the computer to them. So so you're basically like calling a website. You would it, literally dial your when you heard dial up tones. Okay, go on. Yeah, those ones. Hey, that was pretty um, good. That was impressive. Uh that was your modem like you, the thing connecting you to the internet dialing a number. Like actually dialing a number as if it was a phone. <laughs> Making a phone call and saying, "Internet, please." Haha, <laughs> my computer thinks it's a phone. <laughs> and it, would, it would connect to the internet, and then your modem would sit there and wait for your computer to tell it what it wanted. And it would go, oh, okay, okay, you want this website? Hold on, let me turn that into a sound. Send the sound along the wire, get another sound, and turn that sound back into a website. That was how that worked. Okay, that's a whole lot of, like, information technology stuff that's, like, way too insane. How do you turn, like, visuals into sound? That's that's a whole different topic, it's I think. It's probably not even worth going into, especially because we, thank God, got rid of dial-up. The biggest problem also with dial-up is, if you noticed, you had to dial a number right and then use your phone lines. Okay, so what do you think you could no longer do while you were connected to the internet? You can't use your phone anymore, right? Like, your computer's using your phone. So no one could pick up the phone, and if someone was on the phone, you couldn't use the computer. And that's why they invented cell phones. Wait, no. <laughs> Skipping ahead a few years. No. Um, Jimmy, get off the internet. So the I next need to call 911. <laughs> the next idea. <laughs> okay, 
Wait, well, that was weird. <laughs> That's a bit morbid. <laughs> so the next idea we had was DSL, right? Um, DSL was a little bit better. It still used the same telephone infrastructure, but at least while you were on DSL, you could also use the telephone. What does that stand for, DSL? Uh, Digital subscriber line. Okay, that sounds pretty straightforward. So you had, like, your own special line. Now, okay, there are two key differences here. One is, you since you had your own special line, for like your specifically for your computer that wasn't connected to your telephone, you could use them both at the same time. An incredible advancement. Yeah. <laughs> the second, <laughs> the second one is that since there were dedicated computer telephone lines, they could be always on, so you wouldn't have to call a number every single time you tried to connect to the internet, which was the current case. Like you'd have to open your computer, say I want to connect to the internet, and literally your modem would dial a phone number. Now you connect to the internet, your modem's already connected. You just connect to your modem and tell it what you want, right? So it's that's called an always-on connection, and that's pretty much everything since then has been that kind of connection. Um, but again, seriously limiting because you're using telephone lines, which were by no means designed to have like any sort of real amount of information sent over them, right? Like voice encoding, especially the way telephones use them, not a lot of information. Like it's not exactly the same as sending a 1080p video. Um, so... Just to give sort of a sense of, like, what all of that means, you'll probably hear... Yeah, this is just a bunch of jargon of numbers right. and so, so we're letters gonna talk, and shit. We're going to talk a little bit about... Um, we'll mention some of the, like, speeds that you get. So, like, the way you measure speed over the internet um, is in bits and bytes. So a bit is actually just the smallest amount of information you could ever send over the internet, Right. And it's actually the smallest amount of information a computer can store. And it's just a zero or a one, like a yes or a no. Okay. And a byte is a set of eight of those bits. So we talk about if you, if you ever hear it. And uh, just, uh, just to confuse you guys, <laughs> uh, there's also something that is uh, four bits instead of eight. So, a right? nibble. Yeah, it's a nibble. <laughs> And sometimes they spell it with a Y just to keep the whole bite thing going. Because bite is B-Y-T-E. Yeah. And then nibble, N-Y-B-B-L-E. I accidentally just pulled my mouth cover up and it covered my eyes. Just <laughs> couldn't see for a minute. <laughs> so so, so a bit. You're talking about a zero, one, or yes, or right. no. So yeah. is that like binary? Is that yes. what binary is? Right. So binary is the language of computers. That's all really you need to know about it. It's a bunch of zeros and ones, and it's how computers talk to each other. It's the only important thing about binary. Yeah, pretty much. So a bit is the smallest amount of binary, right? So like in the English language, the smallest amount of English is a single letter. This is roughly analogous to that. The smallest amount of computer language is one bit. And instead of having like 26 letters, they have two, zero and one. Exactly, right. So um, my favorite letters. So one byte, which is eight bits, is enough information to store a single character like one letter or a, one number q right those P. Are, good job zach those are examples of letters um now the the next level up is, wait 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 a second oh, so yes. a byte can store another number right so <laughs> well a byte can only a bit can only be zero or one so in order to store a representation for any number bigger than one, you need a bunch of them together that mean just like how our, like the numbers that we use commonly, zero through nine, 
right? Those are digits. You can only sort zero through nine. In order to get higher than nine, you need to start combining numbers. One zero. Ten. A hundred, a thousand, etc. It's the exact same idea. Um, so if you have 1,024 of those bytes, precisely, although you can round it off to a thousand, um, you have one kilobyte. This is, you know, this is about a thousand characters, right? Because one byte is one character. So this is a thousand characters. That's like half a page of writing, right? So if you have 1,024 of those, then you have a megabyte. So we've got byte, we have bit, byte, kilobyte, megabyte. A megabyte is a thousand kilobytes. So that's a thousand half pages of text. Right, so 500 pages of text. Is any much easier way to understand <laughs> <Exactly>. that? <laughs> um, that's, that's also equivalent to, a, to one like medium large sized image <laughs> or about one minute of a song as, as an MP3 file, right? Um, so typically like MP3 file songs will be about one megabyte per minute of song. Um, one gigabyte. Giga. So we've got bit, byte, kilobyte, megabyte, gigabyte. Gigabyte, you guessed it, 1,024 megabytes. This is like hours and hours of songs. It's a thousand thick books um, or like a single 720p movie. So watching a 720p movie is like reading a thousand thick books? In terms of yeah, that's a weird. I'm not really sure. Technically, you're the answer is yes. Um, Fuck reading then. <laughs> movies, it is. Um, you know, it's like a picture's worth a thousand words. A movie's worth a thousand books. Yo. Whoa. Oh. <laughs> we just came up with something really awesome, didn't we? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Someone write that down. Don't say we. That was entirely you. Fantastic. I'll hey. take credit. Okay. So, and then the last one we'll talk about. There are a lot more. But so we have, um, we have uh, one terabyte. This is like a lot. This is like, you can buy terabyte hard drives now for a reasonable amount of money. This is a thousand gigabytes, right? So this is a thousand hours of 1080p Super HD movies, right? A thousand hours. That's so much movie. It's like five, what is it? Like, so each one's like two hours long, maybe movies, even less than that. Yeah. It's really more than... It's it's a, that's a, it's, that's a, it's a lot. It's a lot of movies. Um, and you know, or you know, or a million books, a, <laughs> a million books, right? It's a the lot. Higher quality the boo movie, the more books you're reading while you're watching it. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's so anyway, the way you're <laughs> wait, that's why it's What's so that? hard to turn a, a book into a movie. <laughs> it's because. You need thousands of the same book and overlay them. Oh, yes. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. I feel like any information science people who are listening to us are like, what Just the cringing fuck? Cringing and crying. <laughs> um, anyway. So so when you talk about... So a lot of times you guys, re- you'll hear the word bandwidth when you're referring to internet speeds. That refers to the width of a band. So actually it does. Um, oh, wow. I was just you, totally bullshit. If you consider it. So genius. in this case, the the band is the quote unquote tube that information is flowing through. Definitely a quote. That's not. Definitely. It's not really anyway. <laughs> so, so the idea is bandwidth is um, referring to the maximum speed that you can send this amount of information from one computer to another one. So, like, the flow of water through a hose 
The wider yes. the hose, the more water you can put through at more one time. Exactly. Throughput. Indubitably. So notice how Dave said you can put it's how much you can put through at a time. It's referred to as throughput. <laughs> the maximum throughput is the bandwidth. So a good you know, an example of this would be like if you get like fifty megabits per second. That means you can get 50 megabits per second through your network. So if somebody was trying to ta- send you a 50 megabit file, it would take one second to get from their computer to yours. Make sense? So when somebody says, um, like, hogging all the bandwidth, is that a thing that can, like, actually happen? Absolutely. Can you, like, clog the pipe, so to sure. speak? So you're <laughs> you're all your computers in your house if you're using wireless connection or if you have more than one computer connected to your house you're certainly using a router so a router basically the router's job is to figure out which computer asked for what find tell tell the modem here's the information this computer wants and then when the information comes back send it to the correct computer the problem is if everyone is requesting a 1080p movie the router has to first of all the router itself has to switch between those computers and go, okay, he wants a 1080p, he wants a 1080p, he wants a 1080p. Which, it's not like it asks for the whole thing at once. What actually happens is, all of your data gets broken up into things called packets. Which, conveniently, is a perfectly accurate representation of what it actually is, in that it gets broken down into tiny little bits. And pieces. I shouldn't call them yeah, bits. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like chewing your food before you eat it. Right. Wow, that was a, actually a really good analogy. Instead of just swallowing hot dogs. Except for that it dogs. comes back together on the other end. <laughs> Zach watched a video the other day. The other day, I'm sitting in the living room. <laughs> Zach's on his computer, and I hear the sound of vomiting coming from, like, not vomiting, gagging, coming from his laptop. And I was like, Zach, what the hell are you watching? And he says... I'm watching this guy try to swallow, I think, 16 hot dogs whole without chewing them in about a minute. I think it was a few minutes, actually. He's but. like, yeah, you got the first one down, no problem. But he just gagged on the third one. <laughs> <laughs> he never got that one down. It broke in half. Come way back up. <laughs> that's pretty impressive. I mean, I'm not sure I could swallow one hot dog. I don't uh, want that's, to. You know, I don't think that's the, really the type of show we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just because they can't see us. I don't know, man. One time, Big Red Banter. Everyone here, if you're ever free on Sunday afternoons, you should all listen in to Big Red Banter on CornellRadio.com. They're absolutely hysterical and totally crazy. And one time had a competition. This was last year. They had a competition to see um, who could eat the largest number of hot dogs out of the radio station's general manager, Matt Harkins' mouth. Um, I was here to witness it. It was absolutely wonderful. <laughs> it was really hilarious, and it translated surprisingly well into radio, even though no really? one really just it. like the noises of like hot well, dog we eating. Well, had a is, lot like, of commentary well? going oh, okay. on. Okay, like there, there's like imagine. there's like four or five co-hosts for Big Red Banter, and they're all live I've, live I feel commenting. Like without commentary, it would just be like. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of that too. <laughs> anyway, Pe- people enjoy a good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, All right, so back to the internet, where no if you look hard enough, you can find anything that resembles what we just talked about. That's true. Um, that could be a segue. Should we make that a segue? S- a segue uh, to what exactly? Well, I don't know. We should probably... 
We should probably f- finish explaining how routers route. That's true. Okay, we'll come back to the segment. Oh, that's why they're called the route. Oh, they route <laughs> thing. Oh. Yeah. So your computer sends a request, right, to this router. And the router says, okay, mo- modem. The modem is the thing plugged into the wall That's uh, that like has a big long wire all the way to your cable company. If you have a cable modem, usually it's like oh, Verizon or Comcast, whoever it is that provides Those your internet. Those bastards. <laughs> today oh my god another like sidetrack but this was really funny today i was at a um i was at a workshop for music information retrieval and this guy was giving a speech about how um <laughs> this guy was giving a speech about uh how he he was giving a speech about his lab which is like you know mu- they did like music information processing and stuff at their lab it's at, it's in drexel which is in philadelphia and he was trying to say, like, you know, you should definitely come work for us if you're looking for a job. And he goes, <laughs> you know, like, it's like a great place to be, Philadelphia. Like, there, if you're interested in going to the corporate world after, we have the Tower of Sauron. I mean, the Comcast Tower right in our backyard. <laughs> and everyone died. It was so That's funny. amazing. It That's so perfect. funny. This was this, like... You can tell it's a big group of nerds. Like, ha like, like, of the rings jokes. This was, like, a middle-aged professor. Like, it was <laughs> perfect. Um, anyway, so back to not the tower, the tower of Sauron. Um, so your information gets broken up into packets. So, sorry, rewinding again, you've got a wire connected to your modem that literally goes straight through all the way to some Comcast headquarters or Verizon headquarters or fucking Time Warner cable bullshit headquarters. Um, (laughs) Hey, my mom worked at Time Warner cable for a while. Yeah. So talk shit about it. <laughs> Tell him to give us better internet. <laughs> so, um, uh, and there, there's like on their servers, there's a server for the record is just a computer. It's like baffling because they're never talked about as that way. But like anytime you ever hear anyone talking about a server, it's just another computer. That's all it is. Right. Yeah, it's amazing. In fact, continuing the analogy of a server, your computer is a is called a client in that analogy. So the server is the computer that serves you web pages and you're the client that's requesting those web pages. Kind of like if the server was a pimp and your computer was the John and you were requesting uh, services. I, I vote to change the name of our uh, <laughs> our prostitute visitor because the John is also the toilet <laughs> slang. So let's make him like that's the also gym. A, that's also a or term. Like the Zach. For, that's also a term hey, for a person. Hey, <laughs> hey, now I'm not implying that you go to prostitutes. I just think that Crystal was not, you know, a fast food worker. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> anyway. So, so back to prostitution. So right, so your prostitute. No, um. So your computer <laughs> makes a request through the modem to the uh, big evil Tower of Sauron, where there's a giant map on the wall. That which has... is interestingly still a good analogy <laughs> for prostitution. <laughs> anyway, um, I don't really know how that works. So there's a giant. Well, the organization of pimps is like probably a bad thing, right? Because they like maybe. Can I finish? I've yeah, been trying I to guess. explain this Go. for like 20 minutes. 
We'll go back through this after we get to the end. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. So there's a big map on the wall at the Tower of Sauron that just has a list on one side of all the domain names. We talked about domain names before, like Google.com, Facebook.com, MySpace.com. My, ba- <laughs> my baby is too fat.com. <laughs> Dave had provided a list of funny <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot domain about names those. for us to use that um, we haven't been using. So on, on the one side is those, and the other side, they're matched to a bunch of numbers that look something like 198.162.1.2. Something like that. A series of four numbers separated by dots, right? Those are actually addresses. They're addresses for the computer that's serving the prostitute that you're asking for. I mean the page that you're asking for. Okay. So you go to this big map on the wall of the Tower of Sauron, which is called a DNS, and your your modem looks up. Okay, this is what he typed in. He typed in babiesrs.com and we got you know 067.153.28.6 right somehow in magic computer world your modem actually knows where that computer is it's like an address it's like if somebody said you know our address which i was about to say out loud and then i was like huh, maybe i shouldn't say that on there yeah probably not um so you would know where it was so your computer goes and asks that server like hey you know, this guy wants a prostitute from you, and I'd like to have it. And the <laughs> pimp says, sure. And he gives it to him. And he brings it all the way back and hands it to you. All of this is referring to web pages, not prostitutes. Um, so Instant prostitute <laughs> service, though, is probably a decent idea. <laughs> Drone prostitutes? <laughs> it's the future. Anything is possible. Future <laughs> prostitutes <laughs> delivered by drone. <laughs> So anyway, (laughs) we'll recap that really quickly. Computer, you type in to your computer, www. Give me one. Where am I going? Elephantitis. (laughs) Threefootbabiesandwhattodo.edu. Okay. (laughs) You type in whatever Dave just said. Your computer says, hey, router, find me whatever the heck is supposed to be at this domain. Router says... Well, it's obviously three foot babies and what to do about them. Right, of course. And the router says, hey, modem, find me whatever this is. The modem says, hey, DNS, where do I find this? The DNS says, here's a bunch of random ass numbers. (laughs) The modem goes, okay, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Modem follows the numbers to another computer that we're calling a server. Just another computer. And it says, hey, you, what do you got? The computer goes, oh. Here's the web page you're looking for. Modem says thanks, gives it back to the router. The router goes, oh, this request was made by Dave's computer. Gives Dave's three-foot babies and what to do with them. It's a serious issue. I don't think this is something we should joke about. I actually have issues with three-foot babies. Okay, anyway. <laughs> is that like big for a baby? It's pretty big for a baby. <laughs> um, That's why we have to do something about them. <laughs> Three feet of baby? That's ridiculous. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's what happens when you do a thing. When you make a request, when you type a website into your address bar, that's how, that's how all of that goes down. And the website on the way back, this is sort of the important part that I was starting to get at earlier. Say on the way back, you know, the website you requested has lots and lots of videos of what to do with your three-foot baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, those videos don't get sent as one big chunk because they wouldn't 
quote unquote fit through the internet as one big chunk. <laughs> right? Think of it as like a clogged toilet. Like it wouldn't make it all the way through the pipe. Oh my god. So what they do instead We're making a lot of really weird sort of I'm <laughs> prostitution and three foot babies and, and toilet clogging. Um Food and, food and poop. All <laughs> great figured out, I figured out the other day that like literally any joke, no matter how bad, that references poop makes Zach crack up. <laughs> Stop. He's actually just talking about poop right now, it's, and Zach is like so crying. It's so great. So that's, that is why I brought that up for the record. Um, so anyway, so the server says, okay, here's this video, but just you know to be nice and not clog your toilet, I'll break it up for you first. <laughs> so it breaks the video up into packets, right? And what it does is it says, okay, packet number one. So this is like a little packet, right? It says, packet number one, find your way back home. And just kind of throws it. And the packet number one goes, okay, 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 okay. And he goes, um, there's no one to the right of me. I'm going to make it right. There's no one to the left of me. I'm going to make it left. It just finds its own path completely regardless of everything else. And then the server goes, okay, packet number two, find your way home. Packet number two goes, I don't know where packet number one went. I'm going to go my own way. And they keep doing that. Meanwhile, your modem is just sitting there going, all right, where are you guys? Ooh, packet number three, because he got there first. Ooh, packet number five, packet number one, and just starts ordering all of them. And that's what happens when you're sitting on your computer and it goes 0.1 kilobyte of 500 megabytes downloaded. And you're like, fuck! They're getting one packet at a time. And, and it's not delivering necessarily an order. Exactly, and not an order, which is why you can't just like open a Word file that's been partially downloaded and expect it to be part of the Word file. <laughs> you just get a corrupted file because you don't have all the parts. Um, so you get all these packets. Eventually, they all get reconstructed for you. And then you have, you know, the videos on what to do with your three-foot babies. Um, and the reason they break it up into these packets is because if they tried to send the whole entire thing in one straight line to you in order, it would just, like, get stuck somewhere. It'd be like, well, this path isn't open. Let me just wait. Right. And the path will <laughs> never be open enough to have something that big go through it because there's so much other stuff trying to go through and so it'll just sit there and never go anywhere. So I have a question. Is yeah. this something that was like developed? Did people like try this? They're like, oh, let's just send everything at once and they were like, wait, shit, this doesn't work and then they yes. developed the idea of packets. So, Zach can talk about You've this, You've got right? that exactly right. Wow. So, there's a thing that's Zach. called, what? Oh, ah, it's hard because we're sharing a mic again. <laughs> um, so, basically, you know, the idea of the computer stuff that we were just talking about, sending these little packets, is called packet switching. Pretty simple, right? And when we were talking before about the phone lines, and then these big old, like, you know, single wires, like you go all the way to the phone company, all the way to the other person's house, and then the sound goes all the way from their mouth to the phone company and back to your house, all through, like, one giant wire, that's circuit switching. And so now you've got these two different things, and when it first started... They just did the phone line thing. They're like, we'll just do, you know, we'll just send all these things along this one big old line. And then things got stuck and took forever. And someone yeah. was like, we need to fix this. So the big problem with that is like, so I don't know if anyone here has watched Agent Carter recently, the new Marvel spinoff show that was like, what, seven episodes? We're all real big nerds, Shane. Yeah, we've definitely watched it. It was really good. Um, but the point is her, uh, she, so she works for some sort of secret government agency and has to pretend that instead she works for a phone company, right? And the phone company at this point in time, this is the 1940s, means you sit at a chair and you have a giant wall of circuits in front of you and you just keep taking wires as you get phone calls and plugging them into the correct sockets in the wall to make a complete connection, like one wire, all the way from one person's house to another. So what happens when you try to 
connect two computers together through the internet this way is you say, okay, I want to go to this website. So they go, all right, well, we'll just connect you through one long wire from this computer to the computer that hosts the website that you want. And you just have this infinite line and you can send whatever you want through it, right? There's no problem. Except that then when you want to go to another website, you disconnect that wire, find the new website, connect to a new wire. It's completely ridiculous, like tedious process. The packet switching way means I just send a bunch of packets. And while they're on their way, you could do whatever you want. You don't have to pay any more attention to me ever. They'll get there when they get there. You can use them when they get there. That's all you have to worry about. So the idea of like multiple tabs was just non-existent in dial-up days. Because you well, just could you could you open like more than one web page at a time with dial-up? That's actually a good question. Well, so by the time dial-up was like really like publicly available, we'd figured out packet switching. Um, technically, actually, Roberts, the guy who developed ARPANET, was also like, "Hey, we should use packet switching," and they were like, "Nah, circuit switching's fine." And then everyone forgot about it. And then we got to the World Wide Web, and they, started, they were using circuit switching, so that's what everyone was doing. And Turn Berners-Lee was like, hey, remember that guy suggested packet switching? Let's this do that. is shitty. <laughs> Let's do that instead. So by the time it was like really a big thing that people used, most likely everyone was using packet switching. But yeah, in theory, so you could still have multiple web pages open. It's that every time you went to click a new link on a web page, you'd have to disconnect from the web page you were on previously. So it wouldn't go away. Your browser would still show it. But, like, you wouldn't be getting new information from it. You disconnect from that, connect to the new one, get the information you want. If you want to go back to the other page, you disconnect from the old one, go back to the new one. It was, like, very (laughs) clearly. So that's why everything was, like, just awfully slow. It's just, like, you couldn't. This was, like, not a point. I mean, it was. The problem was it wasn't, like, scalable. If you had everyone in the world doing that, it would be completely ridiculous. You would have to have an equal number of people sitting there trying to manually switch all the wires. Which, of course, would be impossible because everyone in the world would be doing it already. Robots. <laughs> we just need more robots. Anyway. Solution um, to everything is more robots. So now that we've explained the internet and what it is and all that great stuff, uh, I think we should take a music break. Yeah? So, um, <laughs> why violence? Um, so we'll take a music break. Oops. Um, and be back in a bit, I suppose. Um, oh, okay. And we've got our song that we're going to play right up here. Um, ah, I'm sorry. We're struggling to get everything. The auxiliary cable is kind of messed up right now. And so plugging things in is a disaster. Okay. Um, here we go. All right. Sorry about that. So. Um, okay. So we'll be back in a little bit. Uh, just kidding. We'll play an actual song. We <laughs> almost subjected you to three minutes of dial-up noise. That was dial-up tones. Um, guys, what should we play? Uh, that's entirely up to you at this point, I think. I think okay. you should just play a thing that you like. You need to give me the... Where's the chord? Play Head Crusher by Megadeth. Oh, my God. Uh, Zach, we're not going to play metal because we hate you and it. Ow! It hates you too, Dave. 
I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of metal. I'll fight metal. I don't care. But no one can destroy the metal. Haven't you ever listened to that Tenacious D song? No, because I don't listen to metal. They're not. They're not really metal. It's more of like a. Oh, that's Jack Black, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, still, I I don't know anything about that. Are you playing something yet? Will you I'm hurry working up? Working on it. It's not working. Dave, do you want to just sing for a little while? Yeah, Dave, go for it. Oh, you're sick though. Uh, hmm, all right, just do it. Yeah, we got no sound. Oh, I think. On top of spaghetti. Nope, nope, nope. Okay, he can sing better than that. He's just being a doof. Whoa. Hello, we are back. Backity big back back. I hope you like that song because I love it. Well, you're listening to Scientifically Speaking, uh, Cornell's scientific talk show. Today we're going to be talking about the internet. We're going to continue where we left off before the music break. And uh, where was that exactly? Well, um, so we had just finished sort of talking about the technical nitty gritty dirty details of how the internet works. Now we're going to talk about the nitty gritty dirty details of what's on the internet. Um, <laughs> so speaking oh, of prostitution, yep. Real quick, right before that, um, there was uh, there was there was one little thing that we missed, which is Wi-Fi. Right, is like a is a thing. So I mentioned routers. Um, 
which you don't actually have to connect to wirelessly. Some people are under that misperception. You can just plug your computer with an Ethernet cable into a router, and it works exactly the same way. But if you do it wirelessly, it's called Wi-Fi. Why is it called Wi-Fi? Well, well there's wireless not, It doesn't fingers. stand for anything. Um, it's kind of amusing. Wait, actually, it doesn't stand It literally stand for doesn't stand for anything. So there's this organization called the Wi-Fi Alliance. Oh, this is great. <laughs> and the, the Wi-Fi Alliance, actually, they had... Oh, man, I have to pull up the article. Um, so they had this really, really amusing... Uh, they they like didn't know what to call themselves, right? Like they they had no idea, you know what what do we call ourselves so that people like will use our technology and sort of like accept our standards. They wanted to know, you know, what we should do. So they <laughs> they got this company um, called Interbrand to come up with a name for them, right? They're not called the Wi-Fi Alliance at this point. They said, "Listen, we need you to determine a name that was," and I quote. A little catchier than I E E E eight oh two point one one B direct sequence. Pronounced I numbers. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what they were called. Um so they wanted something catchier than that. They got some sort of like play on words with hi fi, which is high fidelity, right? But Wi Fi doesn't make any sense. Wireless fidelity isn't actually a thing, nor should it be. Um it just kind of sounds cool. Meanwhile, we're now left with this company called the, the Wi-Fi Alliance, <laughs> so. with members such as I don't know Router Man. He'd be the team leader. He'd give them all directions, tell them where to go, and then you know Bandwidth Boy. <laughs> he can. He was often clogged up. <laughs> he always gets sick. That's his superpower. He just. And then uh, you know you got like Bit Girl. She can just a bit gal maybe. She can she can read binary, I guess. That's, that's what a <laughs> shitty superpower. Stop, criminal scum. Zero one 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 zero 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 one one one. She can also turn her atoms into zeros and ones, which doesn't help at all. No. But <laughs> it's cool anyway, I suppose. Stop, criminal scum. Yeah, what are you gonna do about it? Oh, where'd you go? <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. this isn't really what the Wi-Fi Alliance is. I mean, I kind of hope it is. Oh, now, but. And, uh, yeah. So it actually, it's just an organization that comes up with a bunch of standards for Wi-Fi and keeps everything regular. And so Zach made a bunch of superheroes. <laughs> Zach of course he did. They're called the Wi-Fi Alliance. Wi-Fi Alliance. <laughs> so you can connect to internet no matter where you are. As long as you're near a router. As long as you're near a router. <laughs> Please um, buy our routers. So, uh, they don't sell routers. Yeah. So that was pretty amusing. Ooh. Um, Dave asked at some point. He dropped his mic. That's why. He just, <laughs> ooh, that's why that was there. Actually, ooh, I didn't drop it. I pulled it out of the stand. It fell on me, but whatever. Anyway, so, uh, uh, oh, Dave asked. So we have a big issue with our wireless router in our apartment, <laughs> in that it doesn't work. It's really bad. Um, it's like really bad. Like, it's 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 so bad. So, um, I have like a little, <laughs> I have a little analysis guy on my computer that tells me how good my connection is to the wireless router um just for like an example like when i'm on campus and i'm connected to like edurome a campus wi-fi uh i get my connection to the router is 450 megabits per second so that's like you can get one one medium large image or 500 pages of text per second an eighth of that because it's megabits and not megabytes. Oh, megabits i'm sorry yeah, yeah. So, oh weird okay yep. yeah but so a reasonable amount of data bits, in a second bits are little b 
bytes are big B yes, because right. there are m multiple bits in a byte, so yes. it makes the B bigger. Um, anyway, <laughs> so so I have about 450, right? And that's when I'm like not really anywhere near any particular router. At the best, I'm like 20 feet away from one, right? In our apartment, when I'm sitting five feet away from a router, <laughs> I get about 20 megabits per second. That's a real little amount. Yeah, that's about 20 times less than I get from the school. <laughs> and it's not even because our wireless connection is, or internet connection is so much worse. It's because our router does a really bad job of sending the packets it gets from the modem to my computer because um, it sucks. So what we do instead, and by we I mean recently Dave and really no one else, he connected an Ethernet cord from the router to his computer. And uh, all of a sudden, the internet worked. It was magical. <laughs> and he was like, Shane, the internet's not dropping out. Why is this better than just using Wi-Fi? The reason is, when you have information being sent through an Ethernet cord, it doesn't drop anything. It doesn't miss anything. It doesn't, like, not reach your computer or, like, miss and go in the wrong direction. There's no chance of you not getting information. So it doesn't matter how far away you are. You get this cable connecting you. It's as if you're connected directly to well, the Well, it doesn't matter how far away you are because the cable length is finite. <laughs> to oh, be fair, shit. Well, except in our apartment, it's a fi we have a 50-foot cable, which is longer than our apartment is long. So theoretically, <laughs> um, so Like if you wanted but, to, like, I don't know, be outside, like hang out your window like Spider-Man and use your computer, it might be Or difficult. if you want to do what Zach did and climb up our fire escape onto our roof and climb in through my window. That was fun. <laughs> that happened? When did that happen? Uh, you weren't there. He figured out yeah, that Yeah, that's he... why I'm asking when it happened. <laughs> I don't know. It was the other Last night. Last weekend? Yeah, we went out and then we came back and Colleen and I went in through the front door and Zach climbed up onto the roof. Is this after the Colombian thing? Yes. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I learned how to salsa. <laughs> I think. And climb windows. Zach got taught Colombian Spider-Man. <laughs> there were like four girls <laughs> separately who walked past Zach turned around, realized he was just sort of bobbing by himself, and went, you want to learn how to salsa? And proceeded to teach him how to salsa from scratch. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty fun, I guess. <laughs> it was great. Um, so anyway, so yes. Ethernet doesn't miss your computer. So right, Are so you Ethernet doesn't miss. Wi-Fi router, a router that uses Wi-Fi to send things to my computer, will miss? It does a bad job. So like, if, you, if you're in your room, we have like a 40% connection. Which means forty percent of the data that the the router tries to send to you actually makes it, and all that happens. It's not like you don't get the extra sixty percent. It's that it has to keep retrying. So, so it takes, it's spewing all this data all so it around takes the a house. A lot longer, and only some of it bounces off the right walls into your computer. <laughs> it doesn't work quite that way, but, you know. Basically, um, it's a bit more uh, high level than that. Yeah. So um, so anyway, so that's that's I think all we need to know about Wi-Fi probably. Um, uh, so we'll, we'll get on to like what's on the internet. There's some really amusing things on the internet. <laughs> Let's start with uh, let's start with the the deep web. Dun dun dun. Zach did some research on the deep web. Deep you may or may not have heard about it. Um, I hadn't heard about it until yesterday. Yeah, it's it's like sort of interesting. It's not as interesting as everyone makes it out to be. But yeah. Zach's got some cool info. It's about like it. whoa, deep web. I can't search for these sites. They're like totally hidden. And it's like, well, yeah, because the search engine just like you know, either it didn't get there yet, or it can't find it, or like someone told it not to. It's right. not like yeah, exactly. There's nothing like there's there aren't very many particularly special things about these websites, except in extreme cases where there are. So there are like. 
the deep web is like far larger than the what so-called surface web, which is basically any place you can get to using a search engine like Google or Google. Um, that's really the only search engine. Uh, <laughs> yesterday when we were looking up information on this, um, as an example, while I was trying to explain something to them, I was like, so like if I go to Google and I search something and I just searched the word search and what popped up as results were like Bing, AOL search, Yahoo, none of them were Google. And then to the right where Google has like the Wikipedia definitions for things that you type in. For the definition of search, it just had the Google Wikipedia page, which I thought was, like, so much... It was, like, a little bit subtle and, like, so much more powerful than having Google pop up as a result. <laughs> it was really amusing. Basically, defining the word search as itself. Google was defining the word search as Google. Yes. I mean, that's how, that's how I define it. Anyway. So, the deep web. It's super big. Uh, and basically, the way they managed to avoid being... Eh? How big? Big. Like how big is big? Like big. The problem is it's kind of hard to tell how big it is compared because, to like the regular. Well, internet. you can't you can't search it. So how do you know how big it is? <laughs> so it's a little bit difficult to find how big it is. I'm sure somebody has numbers somewhere. There have been studies and estimations that I came across that just said it's bigger, <laughs> and bigger. grow and growing. Interesting. The so, last figures they have are as of like a decade ago. Right. But so all that means necessarily is that if I just make a personal website and post it online and don't link to it from every, from anywhere else. It's going to take a while for Google to find it, and technically it's on the deep web. Yeah, let's pull up some random numbers. just. Which is fun. still interesting, though, because if you think about it, that implies, like, think about how big the internet is. Like, you go to any random page, you could probably find something. You Google anything, you'll find a page on that thing, like, you know, most yes. of the time. Sure. So imagine, like, an entire other section of the internet that is bigger than the internet you've ever touched or used that is not linked to Google. That's crazy. Yeah. So what kind of things can you find on the deep web that aren't linked to Google and stuff? Like anything, really. It's just like another web. It's just websites. It's the same thing you can find when you search online, but you can't find it via search engine. You have to know about it. Then why use the deep web instead of the internet? Why wouldn't you want your things linked to Google? Anonymity. Right. So there's, there's two big things here. One of them is by accident, which is probably probably the biggest use case is people don't know they're on the deep web they don't know you can't search for their website they don't do anything such that you can and so their websites are unsearchable and they're on the deep web that's probably why it's so large there are of course other slightly more nefarious reasons you could conceivably or not nefarious reasons that you could conceivably want no one to be able to visit your website unless they were explicitly looking for it just like how some people don't make their phone numbers public, and so you can't call them unless they personally give them give you their phone number. There are parts of the deep web where somebody intentionally made it such that Google can't find them, so that no one can accidentally find their website. And yeah, I tried to I tried to Google the deep web, and it didn't it didn't there, you can't get to it. So I can't tell brilliant. you what's on it. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, the trick is you can't use the internet to figure out what's on the deep web because by definition it's not linked from anywhere on the internet. You have to actually know somebody who already knows a website on the deep web in order to get there. And so some of the ways the deep web manages to stay deep um, is that you know the websites don't get linked to from anywhere else. So they're just like, you no matter what you click on in the internet, you will not arrive on that website. You can click every single link on the internet, and you will not get there. Which is insane. Because there's a lot of links on the internet, man. Um, 
And additionally, they could just have like web pages set up such that they're incompatible with the search engines. Like search engine, it's like little thing it sends out to go click around, gets there and goes, I don't know what this is, moving on. It just gets stuck or get, gets lost because it just doesn't understand. Mm -hmm. um, there could be websites that just straight up require a username and password or some password of some kind just to even access the website. Do, like you get yeah, there to do and anything you're just, right yeah, off you're the just, bat. You're just, you can't do anything. It's not like there's like a home page. No, nothing. Um, and then it could like, you know, when you get there, it just has like a blank page and it requires you to search something. And so these like web crawlers, that's what they're called, going around, clicking links, get there and they're like, well, click, click. And they're clicking like maybe search, but they're not putting anything in the box. And so it doesn't go anywhere. Or say you have a bunch of links on your page. This is actually really common. So like say you go to Facebook, right? And there's a bunch of links to view more comments. Right, and you click on the view more comments link, but it doesn't bring you to a new page. It just opens up that one. Right? So say sorry about that really gross snorting sound that I just made. Um so say you go you go to this website as a crawler, right? So like your search engine trying to figure out what's on this website. Go to this website and there's a bunch of links. When you click on the links, you don't go to a new page. It just changes the page that you're on currently. Web crawlers have a lot of trouble with that because they're just programs. They're not people. So they don't actually know what changed on the website. So they don't know any of the other pages on the website. They can't get to them. So they're stuck at that home page, and that's the only indexed part. And there's no links to any of the other parts of the page. And then there one of the other things. There's a few other ways, but it's not worth mentioning them all. Uh, but some of the pages have... Basically, web crawlers are supposed to follow specific rules, and they communicate with these websites as they get to them. And they go, hey, can I look at this? And usually the website's like, yeah, sure, go ahead. But there are some in the deep web that are like, no. And these, these web crawlers have to comply. The web crawlers that don't comply are usually malware or like some bad stuff that mm. like no one would want anyway. So it's not like Google so, can be like, right. I'm going to go send this like malware to this everyone's computer. Because like, that would not be okay. Or to everyone's websites. Right. Which would could potentially then end up on someone's computer, probably depending on how it was done. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So we learned about the deep web. Do you have any more questions, Dave? Yeah, just some little tidbits of things that Go you know I've it. heard from the internet that I don't really know what they are. So, I my favorite food in the world is R is R R chocolate chip cookies. What are cookies on the internet, and why don't they taste as good? <laughs> well, they, they would taste as good if you could eat them, but you can't. Anyway, so you go to you go to a website, right? And you do something like log in. So you go to Facebook, and you log in. And then you close your browser. And you open it up again on the same computer, right? You go back to Facebook. All of a sudden, you don't have to log in. You can just go to Facebook, right? Something magic happens such that Facebook knows who you are. If you go from a different computer, you have to log in again. But they know who you were on your computer. The way they do that is by giving your browser, the application that's like opening Facebook, a little bit of information that says, the next time I come here, just remember that my name is Dave. And so it doesn't... So what happens is you can do that for things like logins, which are useful to the user. You can also do that for things like, say I go to Etsy and I look something up that I want to buy. And then I go back to Facebook. Facebook can check my cookies and be like, hey, he went to this thing on Etsy. One of our advertisers is selling something like that. Let's show him 
the thing that our advertiser is showing because maybe he'll want to buy it and we won't have to show him this stupid ad of some other thing that he definitely won't want to buy so, so there's they're just ways of websites communicating usually with themselves and sometimes with others through storing things in your browser so is that saved like on your computer or is that saved like Right, saved okay. on your computer. So your computer like memorizes, okay, well, mm-hmm. last which time I went to this website, he wanted this. Right, which is why you can go you can go into your browser if you have Chrome, Firefox, Internet Explorer, anything. There's always a setting that allows you to clear all of your cookies. And all it does is but <laughs> eat I love cookies. all the cookies. Um, all it does is delete those little pieces of information that say things about the websites you went to, what they want to store there, etc. So is that how like autofill stuff works too? Is that... Um, it can be, it depends on how it depends on, usually that is like the browser itself stores that information. It has nothing to do with the website, especially like Chrome, for example, like all that autofill is saved by Chrome and not by the website. So that's not a cookie, but it is information saved in your browser about you. Okay. But that's not shared with other websites. Okay. Which is good because you can store things like credit card information in autofill. Yeah, you wouldn't want that to. Right. But, but, you know, Chrome doesn't share any of that information with other people unless you explicitly enter it. Okay. But still, that same sort of idea is why, like, you know, I I go to Google, the Google search bar or whatever, and I type P, and it brings up, like, it automatically autofills, like, porridge recipes. (laughs) When you said P, I thought you meant, like, like, why are you Googling urine? (laughs) And then you changed it and made it worse. It's a similar idea, but it's not the same. Okay, um, so another tidbit. Yeah. HTTP colon slash slash. What what the <laughs> hell is that all about? Why? 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 Uh, Zach, do you want to answer that one? No. Okay. So HTTP stands for Hypertext Transfer Protocol. Okay, so you're going to... There's a lot of things on the internet. Pretty much every acronym that has to do with the internet that has a P in it the P stands for protocol. It's a big word that means set of rules. This is all it means. So HTTP is specifying to your browser that the way you're going to find the website that you're about to type in is by using the hypertext... What is it? I just said it. Transfer protocol. Transfer protocol. Yeah, the, the hypertext is one word, but the first T means text. It's kind of a silly acronym. <laughs> Anyway, it's not how those things work. Yeah, you so just do that. It specifies that you're going to use the hypertext transfer protocol, which is just telling your computer how to ask the router for it, tells the router how to ask the modem for it, tells the motor how to ask the DNS, etc. It's just a set of rules for how your computer requests things. So if why why is it possible to just type in www.porntitties.gov and it just automatically brings me there? Browsers are some of the best written software ever. And they know exactly what you want. So if you were to explicitly define a different protocol to use, I don't even know an example of another one, but if you were to explicitly define a different protocol to use, it would use that protocol. If you don't have to find any, it knows you're trying to use the hypertext transfer protocol. So it actually fills it in for you, which is why if you go to Chrome, you just type in facebook.com, press enter, but then you go and copy and paste your URL and you paste it somewhere else, you'll see it actually adds in the HTTP colon slash slash for you. So it actually uses that. It just doesn't show you because it's ugly and unnecessary because it's on every single website. Did Al Gore invent the internet? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so people claim that Al Gore claimed that he invented the internet. 
And he kind of almost said that. He said the words that could be misconstrued to mean so that. So what he said in this, uh, I guess it was a CNN interview back in the day, years ago. Um, he <laughs> <laughs> just became Scottish. <laughs> he, uh, he basically said, like, he was like, I was crucial in creating the internet. And so it's like, whoa, hold on there, buddy. Like, you created the internet? like well no he was crucial in like pushing forward legislation and funding etc and just general support as a as a as a congressman yeah (laughs) he was like he was like hey guys this is like really important we should connect everyone with the internet because we can transfer data easily we could talk to each other this is great people were like "Eh." he was like come on guys let's let's do this and so in effect he like legislated the internet okay which is super important but not the same as being tim Berners-Lee. right it's a big, it's a big old team of internet fellas. You got the internet and the wild world wide web, and then putting it into action. It's all it's a whole bunch of people. And Al Gore, you know. Al Gore. Just being Al Gore. What a guy. He's a great guy. <laughs> okay, so anyway, um, do you have any more questions, Dave? Because there's one more segment that I really want to talk. About. I think not. Go on. Fantastic. So there's one big part of the internet that everyone knows Huge. is there. It's a pretty large part of the internet. Everyone knows it's there. Some people use it a lot. Some people don't. We're going to tell you how many people use it a lot and potentially which ones. Speaking of spewing information, the internet is for porn. (laughs) It's like a pretty common slogan. The internet is for porn. People say it all the time. We're going to tell you how much of the internet is for porn and how. So here's a few facts. Somewhere between... 5 and 12% of the websites on the on the internet are pornographic. Up to 12% of the websites on the internet. That is a huge huge number for a single genre of website. That's 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 literally millions, like it's, 10 million it's tw- websites. No, no, no. no. Oh, the full 12%, yeah. 12% is 24 million. 600,000 websites. <laughs> Crazy. All of them dedicated to sex videography. So <laughs> there's a really interesting little piece of fact that I missed, actually. So porn has been traded online since, like, the 80s, which is, like, this is, like, the beginning of the World Wide Web time. Um, at that time, we said computers had no processing power. They could barely show, like, pictures Videos were pretty much out of the question. So how do people watch porn? Well, <laughs> there's this great thing. Have you guys have ever heard of ASCII art? ASCII art is making pictures. ASCII, A-S-C-I-I, if you want to try right. and Google that. Yeah, ASCII art is making pictures out of letters and numbers and symbols. So if you just, we'll, we'll put some ASCII art in so our So the simplest post. way would be like colon, uh, parentheses, makes a smiley face. Exactly. That's technically ASCII art. But people can do really amazingly realistic uh, visuals with, with ASCII Didn't art. Didn't someone like do all of Star Wars in ASCII art? It's on Windows. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> There's a command you can type. I think it's Windows. I'm pretty sure it's Windows. Yeah, no, There's a command right. you can type into the command prompt in Windows that just starts playing Star Wars as ASCII art. It's pretty amazing because it doesn't take up very much space because it's just a bunch of letters. And like we said before, one character is only one byte, right? And videos are like gigabytes. So this is, you know, much, much, much smaller. So that's the way that people watched porn in the 80s, which is so funny. Anyway, um, more, more facts about porn. 
D equals sign equal no sorry three equals sign equals sign equals sign equals sign D. That's that a looks penis like a penis. If you missed that, um, so every second, three thousand dollars is being spent on porn. Every second, three thousand dollars. That's amazing. Forty million Americans are regular visitors to porn sites. One in three of porn viewers are women. 70% of men aged 18 to 24, hey, that's us, visit porn sites in a typical month. That's month a, is a long time. <laughs> that's, a lot of, that's a lot of men. That's, that's most of them. Um, <laughs> I actually read one time that they were trying to do a study of like comparing men who watched porn to men who didn't. They had to cancel the study because they couldn't find any men who did not watch porn. <laughs> they had to cancel the study. That's really amusing. Um uh, in the U.S., internet porn pulls in $2.84 billion per year. That's insane. It's a lot of money. What's mostly amusing about that is that the entire world only pulls in $4.9 billion, meaning that the U.S. <laughs> pulls in a good amount more than half of the porn industry's money. Holy shit. America number one. Which is amazing since only 40% of American, or sorry, not 40, not even close to 40%, 40 million Americans regularly go to porn sites. Um, that means that there's like a few people who just, and by a few, I mean like a couple thousand, spend but a still. a lot of money. They just spend a lot of money on porn. Um, 25% of all search engine requests are pornography related. <laughs> That's 68 million requests a day. That's hysterical. Um, 35% of all internet downloads are pornographic. I have no idea how anyone determined that yeah, this at is, all. That's... Um, <laughs> but it's it doesn't seem unreasonable with the rest of the data. Um, oh, no way. We have... Oh, no way. you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Apparently, the, high, the state with the highest online porn subscription <laughs> rate per thousand home broadband users... <laughs> Is Utah. For those of you unaware, I lived in Utah for 10 years, and that is the most Mormon place on the <laughs> face of the earth. And the fact that all of my friends who were in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are the biggest porn users in America is just incredible. And that makes me very happy. Yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. It's five people for every thousand, which doesn't seem like a lot, but compared to 40 million per 300 million it's like to clarify this is a state where <laughs> they like don't sell alcohol on sundays and you have to like go across the border to wyoming to get to beer that's sundays. actually full strength beer they sell basically they sell literally weak beer it's ridiculous except their porn is like ridiculous oh my god this is amazing um this is a great one 20 percent of men admit to watching porn online at work <laughs> what i li- like no part of me has any desire to do that it seems like the worst not idea. even your left ear that was a <laughs> anyway terrible joke. Uh, apparently the least popular day of the year for viewing porn <laughs> is thanksgiving which is it. amazing because that means that the christmas porn business is booming <laughs> or at least not not booming yeah and unsurprisingly, the most popular day of the week for viewing porn is Sunday. Unsurprisingly? Well, no get out of church and you feel like, Sunday. well, <laughs> I guess the rest of my day I'm free, right? I mean, I'm assuming the reason is people are least likely to be doing anything else on a Sunday. 
Right. So, you know, you're bored. Bit of a more reasonable conclusion. You're bored. You're a little, you know, you want to you relax a little. Watch some porn. Makes sense to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> that just about wraps it up. Uh, I think we're going to have coverage of the hockey game following this. So thank you again for listening to Scientifically Speaking on CornellRadio.com. We hope you learned something about the internet and what it's for, that being porn. Obviously. 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 Um, I'm going to get us up and running. Oh, the internet's also for learning about the internet, it turns out, which is great. It is. That's pretty meta. We're going to listen to Free to Roam by Work Drugs. I have no idea what that is. We'll see you next week. But yeah, have fun. Woo! Stringing out the calories will make them last all through.